The following broadcast is brought to you by Sons of God International and Freedom Fellowship Church. Hello, and welcome to the prophetic voice of our time, where we focus on the voice of prophecy, which is the testimony of Jesus Christ. Our host, Christina Sasso, is a senior pastor at Freedom Fellowship Church. Let's hear what she has to say to the body of Christ. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is Joshua Sasso with Freedom Fellowship Church and Sons of God Ministries International. And you are listening to the prophetic voice of our time where we always have fresh new revelation for you that's going to be exciting and relevant to your walk today. And I hope you guys are excited for this week's episode because God is continuing to purify the body of Christ. He's continuing to uproot those roots that we have that don't belong there, that are from the wrong tree. And God is continuing to prune us and clean us up so that the body of Christ will be prepared for the move that he is preparing in this nation. It's going to affect the whole world. But we have to be holy as he is holy. And so we're going to continue to see shaking happen even in our own ministries. We're going to continue to see displacements, certain people in leadership, and elevation of new people into leadership. We're going to see a lot of different changes continue to happen in the body of Christ. But it's because God is preparing us for a move like no other. But before we continue, I just want to remind you to visit us on our website. That is SOGMI.org. Again, that is SOGMI.org. And if you want to support us, you can go there and hit that donate button. You can give a one-time or monthly gift because we here at The Prophetic Voice of Our Time, we are supported by listeners just like you. So if you want to support this ministry and this radio show, then go to our website, SOGMI.org. Dot org and hit that donate button. You can also listen to podcasts of previous broadcasts of this very radio show. So again, that is SOGMI.org. We thank you so much for each and every one of you that continue to support us. So we're going to start this week in 1 Samuel chapter 8. And to give a little bit of context of what's going on in this passage, Samuel had been leading Israel for a number of years now, and he was beginning to get very old. And many of the Israelites began to murmur amongst themselves about, well, who's going to take over now that Samuel is getting old? Who's going to lead us now that Samuel's getting old? So in 1 Samuel chapter 8, starting with verse 4, it says, So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, You are old. And your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. Now Samuel was not pleased with this request. And so Samuel, in verse 6, goes before the Lord. It says, verse 6, But when they said, Give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord. And the Lord told him, Listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you now. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly, and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. And Samuel goes on 
and lists all these things that the king is going to do. He's going to take their sons and force them to enlist in his armies. He's going to take their daughters and force them to be his servants. And he's going to take taxes from them. He's going to take a portion of their resources. He warned them of all of these things. However, it says in 1 Samuel chapter 8, starting with verse 19, it says, But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they replied. We want a king over us. Then we will be like the other nations, with a king to lead us and to go out before us and fight our battles. In the New King James Version, it says, Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, No, but we will have a king over us, that we may also be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. So in reading this passage, you can see that there's two reasons, essentially, why the Israelites wanted a king over them. The first was they wanted to be like the other nations. In other words, they wanted to be like the world. They wanted to adhere to the world system. They were the only nation that was not like that. They were set apart, and they decided they wanted to be like the world. The second reason they did this and they asked for a king is they wanted somebody who would judge them as in settled disputes, who would go out before them on their behalf, and who would fight their battles for them. So you have to understand this was an abdication of responsibility because before having a king, Samuel might declare a word of the Lord, but it was up to each individual person whether they were going to obey the voice of God, whether they were going to hear or listen to God, right? Because what happened before there was a king? There were judges. And we're going to talk about this more. But essentially, the Israelites didn't want the burden of responsibility. They wanted somebody who would judge them, who would go out before them, and who would fight their battles for them. And the reason why is because it's easier <laughs> It's easier when you can assign responsibility to somebody else. It's easier when you can assign the blame to somebody else. And you see, this is what happened. All of the responsibility fell on the king. Notice, after Samuel appointed a king, when the Israelites had a righteous king, Israel prospered. And when the Israelites had a wicked king, Israel was downtrodden and they suffered. See, all the responsibility all the blame rested on a single person. And they chose that because they wanted to give up their own responsibility. And we have to think, okay, now what are some of the things that come with a king? There's a lot of baggage that comes with it. We know that the king institutes a lot of rigid structures. Royalty is above the common folk. And the common folk can never ascend to the level of the royal family right? It's all linked to genealogies. It's all linked to your lineage. The only way a common person can ever ascend to the throne is if there is a violent revolution or somebody overthrows them. So there's a lot of man-made structures and there's a lot of walls that limit the average person. But in exchange for that, you get security. You always know who to follow. You always know what rules you're allowed to do. And in the church, in many ways, we have instituted a king in this fashion over us. We would rather have a human person 
to which we can go to judge us, to fight our battles on our behalf, and fast and pray for us. You can see it, for example, in the Catholic Church, where they have instituted the Pope. And the Pope is able to make decrees. The Pope is able to make determinations that the average person cannot make, right? Because he's ascended because he has more inspiration and a higher purview than the average person does. But even amongst evangelical and Baptist and non-denominational churches, in many ways, the way we treat our pastors is very much like a king in the same way. This is why you will often hear people say, well, you have to have a pastor. You have to have a covering. Right? You can't go minister on your own who is your covering. Right? You can't be led of the Holy Spirit by yourself. They're requiring you to go under a man-made hierarchy. In the same way, many churches say, well, you're not allowed to leave the church without the blessing of the pastor. In this way, we have instituted a king as opposed to allowing people to be led by the Holy Spirit. We are limiting people. And this is why those who benefit from man-made structures, hierarchies, and authority, they cling to it. But in the same way, many in the body of Christ prefer it this way. Why? Because then they can go to their pastor and say, Pastor, I need you to settle this dispute for me. Pastor, what do I do about this situation? Pastor, can you fast and pray on my behalf? Why do they do that? Because it's easier to go to them than to pray and hear from God on your own. It's easier to allow your pastor to tell you what to do because if it doesn't work out, then you can blame them. You are assigning responsibility to somebody else. But in the same way, many leaders in the church prefer it that way because they enjoy the power, they enjoy the authority that they can hold over others. This is why many pastors have said, well, there's no more prophets, there's no more apostles, it's just the pastor. Why? They want to institute themselves as an authority over others. We have to understand God is leading us away from this kind of structure. He's leading us to a place where any individual who listens to the voice of God and obeys will ascend to a position of leadership and authority. We have to break down these religious walls that we block. Oh, well, you can't be in a position of ministry unless you've been here eight years, unless you've been here, you know, eight years, or you've gone through our leadership training, or you've gone through our discipleship training, you've gone through our programs. You're imposing structure that limits the body of Christ. So we have to ask ourselves then, in the nation of Israel, before they had a king, how did people ascend to a position of leadership? Well, we know that before Israel had a king, they had judges. And we're going to look through the list of judges and let's see if we can find a common thread amongst them. So the first judge in the book of Judges is Othniel, who is the younger brother of Caleb. Following Othniel, we had Ehud, and the scripture tells us that he was a left-handed man and the son of Gera, the Benjamite. And Ehud was tasked by God to deal with a wicked king. And the scripture, it's kind of a gross but funny story because the scripture tells us that 
This king of Moab was a very fat man. And Ehud, who was left-handed, the soldiers would often check people coming in for their swords. But because everybody's right-handed, they did not notice that it was on the other side, which is kind of humorous when you think about it. But Ehud was able to get into the presence of the king, and he tells the king, I've got a secret message for you. And so the king invites him into his private chambers. And then Ehud says to the king, I have a message from God for you. And as the king rose up to hear it, Ehud plunged the sword into his gut with his left hand. And it says that because the king was so fat, so overweight, that the sword sunk into the king's belly, and even the handle sank in after the blade, completely covering it in the rolls of his fat. And then Ehud went outside the king's chambers and he told the guards he's gone to relieve himself. He had to go to the bathroom and then he left. And the guards, it says, they stood outside the king's chambers to the point of embarrassment. But when he did not open the doors to the room for a very, very long time, they decided, well, we should probably check on him. And then they found him dead. And it's kind of a gross story, but it's pretty humorous to think about. These poor soldiers didn't want to embarrass their king and didn't want to embarrass themselves. So they're just standing outside this room for hours on end until they finally decide to check on him. But that is Ehud, who, again, so the scripture tells us he was a left-handed man and the son of Gera, the Benjamite. Following Ehud, we had Shadmar, the son of Anath. Following Shadmar, we had Deborah, who was a prophetess and the wife of Lapidoth. After Deborah, we had Gideon, who was the son of Joash, the Abiezrite. And it says in the scriptures, when the angel of the Lord appeared before Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And he continued to tell him, Go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of the hand of Midian. Am I not sending you? And when Gideon heard this, he responded, he said, Pardon me, my Lord, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. So I want you to notice here, and we're going to continue to go down this list. So when there's a king instituted, your lineage matters. Where you came from matters. Even your wealth and status matters. Notice the judges, though. Each of them have a different background, a different origin. There's even a woman judge. Can you believe that? Thousands and thousands of years ago. And here Gideon is saying... How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in this entire region, and I'm the lowest in my family. So here Gideon is the lowest of the low, being tasked to save Israel. Kind of interesting, don't you think? After Gideon, we had Tola, a man of Issachar, the son of Pua. After Tola, we had Jer of Gilead. After Jer, we had Jephthah who was the illegitimate son of Gilead, who had him with a prostitute. And it says in the scriptures that Jephthah was driven out by his brothers because they said, well, you don't even have the same mother as us. You're an illegitimate son. So they chased him out from his own family. But despite this, God chose to use him to save Israel. After Jephthah, we had Ibzan of Bethlehem. Then we had Elon, the Zebulonite. Then we had Abdon of Hillel. And then we had Samson from Manoah. And after Samson, we had Samuel, who was just a boy when God called him. 
So we have to ask ourselves, who were the judges? Who were these people? They didn't have any special lineage. They didn't have any special family line. They weren't of noble stock. Even Samuel was just a boy when he was called by the Lord. Deborah was a woman in a time when women didn't have very many rights. Jephthah was the bastard son of Gilead. And Gideon was the lowest in his family, which was the weakest clan in the whole region. You see, so the judges didn't have any special privileges because of their family. They were regular, average, everyday people. And this is the interesting thing. However, even though they were average, everyday people, they would hear the voice of the Lord and they would act on it. And this is what we have to understand. Who were the judges? They were anybody that would hear the voice of God and act on it. And this is the kind of system that God is leading us to. We are getting rid of these man-made hierarchies. We're getting rid of all these rules and regulations that are limiting the body of Christ. And we're opening it up to anybody who will listen to the voice of God and will obey they will reach a position of prominence and a position of leadership. I'm going to read us a passage from Isaiah, and we should take this as a prophetic word that's relevant even to now. This is Isaiah chapter 1, verse 24. It says, Therefore the Lord says, The Lord of hosts, the Mighty One of Israel, Ah, I will rid myself of my adversaries, and take vengeance on my enemies. I will turn my hand against you, and thoroughly purge away your dross, and take away all your alloy. That means he's removing our impurities. Verse 26, I will restore your judges as at the first, and your counselors as at the beginning. Afterward, you shall be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Zion shall be redeemed with justice and her penitence with righteousness. You see, God is now in this season restoring the judges, just like at the beginning of the nation of Israel. That is the season he is leading us towards. And this is what we have to understand. It's going to be nameless, faceless people, regular people, just like you and me, but they're going to hear the voice of God and they're going to obey. Now, I've been going through I, you know, some old sermons and old messages and old prophetic words that have been released by this ministry over the years. And I came across this word from August 22nd, 2011. And I want you to listen to this word and reflect on it. And so this was a word that was released by Pastor Christina Sasso on August 22nd, 2011. It says, I am restoring the judges as in the days of old, as I am a faithful God, not only for this nation, but for the nations of the earth to bring forth the nations to the proper places of alignment and timing, including the nation of Israel. This is your beckoning. This is your calling. You are being summoned by the Holy Spirit to be those judges. And I am calling my people. This is the beginning and the time and the hour that my people will know that I am God. Remember Moses. He did not enter the promised land. He did not treat my word of instruction to him as holy before the nation of Israel. As much as I love him, I am a holy God. So hear me. 
I am commanding you to be holy because I am holy. You will walk in integrity. You will walk in humility. You will always remember that you are the head and not the tail. It is time for this nation to rise to destroy the yokes that are upon my people, to destroy the limitations that were set around them by the leaders who went in their own authority, and I did not send them. So that is from August 22nd, 2011, and we're seeing that manifest even now. God has called us to be those judges if we are willing to hear his voice and obey. And God is going to continue to destroy those limitations that have been set up many times by our own spiritual leaders, those things that are limiting the body of Christ to keep them under control. But God is going to shake us. He's going to shake the foundations of our churches so that he can truly restore the judges as in the days of old. And if we do that, if we listen to the voice of God and act on what he's telling us, we're going to see the supernatural manifest in our lives. And I want to remind you, as that prophetic word said, Moses could not enter the promised land because he did not treat the instructions that God gave him as holy before the nation of Israel. God right now is removing the impurities that are in the body of Christ. He's removing all of those thorns, all those roots that don't belong in there. And we've been talking about this for weeks. God's going to continue to uproot any thorn, any weed, anything in our heart that does not belong, so that we can be made holy before him. We've got to deal with all these issues in the church, in the body of Christ. Because once we deal with all these issues in our own hearts, then we can become the answer. We can start to be the light that the world needs. We can be the answer that the world is looking for. And let me tell you, the world is absolutely looking for the truth. They don't even know what they're looking for. But out in the world, people are overrun with nihilism, depression, purposelessness. We have the answer, but we can't be the answer and we can't point the way to Christ unless we resolve these issues in our heart. So God is raising us up as judges and the judges are going to be regular everyday people that are willing to listen to the voice of God and obey. God is going to tear down the man-made hierarchies in our churches that don't belong, that are limiting the body of Christ. That's going to happen. And at the same time, God is continuing to remove any impurities that don't belong there so that he can move in the miraculous in our lives. And let me tell you, I mean, do you want to see God move in the miraculous? Because I do. I want to see God move in the miraculous and truly transform the people of this nation, truly transform this nation for generations to come. So I hope that you all receive and believe that word that I'm giving you today, because God is truly working in our lives. But I'm running out of time, so before I go, let me pray with you. So, dear Heavenly Father God, I thank you, God, that you truly are removing all the impurities out of our heart, God. I pray, God, that you would open up the spiritual eyes of each and every one of the listeners of this radio broadcast, God. Show us the dark parts of our hearts so that we can deal with them, God. And God, we will truly take responsibility. We will hear from you and we will act on it, God. 
And we say, God, have your will, okay? It might be uncomfortable for us, God. It might be uncomfortable for some of the things going on in our lives, but let your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And God, we will pursue establishing your kingdom here on this earth, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. And again, if you enjoy this broadcast and you want to support us, you can go to our website, SOGMI.org. Again, that is SOGMI.org, and you can hit that donate button. We are supported by listeners just like you that decide, you know what, I want to give and support the prophetic voice of our time. And we are so grateful for each and every one of you that support us. But I am out of time for this week. So, I'm Joshua Sasso with Freedom Fellowship Church and Sons of God Ministries International. You've been listening to the prophetic voice of our time. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, God bless you. Thank you for listening. We all hope you were blessed by this message today. If you were, let us hear from you. If you wish to contact us or sow a seed, our phone number is 210-396-7891. And for Saturday's program, call us at 210-695-1630. Send all emails to sonsofgod at satx.rr.com and all letters to P.O. Box 1579, Lotus, Texas 78023. For more info, including service times and upcoming events, find us at www.sogmi.org. That's www.sogmi.org.